Alexa, what is the best podcast in the land? Here's pulling back the curtain podcast registered from Amazon Music. Playing the latest episode. This podcast is sponsored by Sumato Coffee. Sumato Coffee believes that coffee should be unique and high quality from bean to cup. Beyond that, it starts to become stale. At Sumato Coffee, they're incredibly concerned and transparent about when your coffee is roasted. That's why they put the roast date right on the bag. Pulling Back the Curtain podcast listeners receive a 20% discount off their order by using promo code BALLERSCOFFEE. To learn more about Sumato Coffee, please visit them at sumatocoffee.com. That's S-U-M-A-T-O-C-O-F-F-E-E.com. What's happening, people, and what you know good? We'd like to thank you for listening and spending your time with us. This is Pulling Back the Curtain Podcast, the most provocative, the most exciting, the baddest, baddest podcast in the land. We come with the dopest topics, hitting with the rawest opinion while giving you the straight-up facts. No fake news here. I'm Jules. A press. We give sight to the blind, ladies and gentlemen. Alexa, what is the baddest podcast in the land? Here's Pulling Back the Curtain Podcast registered from Amazon Music. Playing the latest episode. Season three of the Pulling Back the Curtain podcast is brought to you by Sumato Coffee. Pulling Back the Curtain podcast listeners will receive a 20% discount on your order by using promo code BALLERSCOFFEE. To learn more about Sumato Coffee, please visit their website at www.sumatocoffee.com. That's S-U-M-A-T-O-C-O-F-F-E-E.com. What's happening, people? And what you know good? We'd like to thank you for listening and spending your time with us. This is Pulling Back the Curtain Podcast, the most provocative, the most exciting, the baddest, baddest podcast in the land. We come with the dopest topics, hitting with our rawest opinion, while giving you the straight up facts. That's right, no fake news here. I'm Jules. I'm Press. On this episode, we pull back the curtain on America's student loan debt crisis and much, much more. Press, what's popping, baby? Jules, man, what's the good word, bruh? Oh, man. Anytime I'm above this guy, Green Earth, man, I'm all good, man. I hear you, man. I hear you. I love that energy, man. <laughs> I love that. I got some bad news for you. Oh, okay. Yeah, man. You know how we were excited about the garage and the progress of everything? Yeah. Man, the builder just got back to me. He said, because of all the rain that's been happening in the area, we delayed three weeks now. Damn. So, wait a minute. What are we looking at? Well, so, what are we looking at? What time are we thinking... He said about Labor Day. I was thinking we was about to be vibing in August, man. Right. So it's going like to be right before Labor Day. I was a little disappointed, bro. Oh. I know you probably hear it in my voice. You, and I'm <laughs> yeah. a little sad about this. Yeah. But look, though, Labor Day is going to be up. You get the grill. You get your wine. Yes, sir. You get your caviars and everything expensive. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? You're going to have your music. And it's gonna be good, man. That's all right. Hey, my mom always said one monkey don't stop no show, but I, you know. So, man, hey, we all good, man. I have a feeling we might have a we're gonna have some good weather all the way up to October. I hope so, man. Talk to Mother Nature, Jules, please. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, we want to enjoy that. We want to enjoy that uh that that garage, man. We want to yes, enjoy. Sir. Yes, sir. But man, every every time I look at the plants and I look at the little setup that I'm gonna have the podcast, and I'm just like, I just want to get in there and just do my thing, man. Come on, <laughs> stop there raining so much. <laughs> yeah, we have been. Yeah, we have been getting a lot of rain, man. Hey, enough about my joy over here. Jules is over here winning. I'm not winning right now, but I'll be winning in a couple <laughs> weeks. <laughs> Thank you, right. I wanted to give some condolences out to uh, Biz Marquis. We were chatting about it yesterday, man. man. Legend, icon in the rap game, Jules. Man, I heard that. I saw the thing come on my phone, get a little news break on my phone, and I heard about his passing. I was like, dude, another one. What we had, we had Black Rob, DMX, Biz Marquis and stuff. And it's like, we talking about one of the pioneers, man, Biz Marquis. Yes, sir. We talking about, we going back early 80s. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? When he was beatboxing with the Juice Crew. Man, he helped cast like Big Daddy Kane get on the rise and stuff, and other artists. And you know, Biz Marquis was a triple threat with the, with his beatboxing, DJing, and his voice and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ones who don't know about uh, Biz Marquis, man, just check him out, man. Don't and, and, and Vapors, man, that's probably one of my one of his best songs. You know, 
I'm going to be uh, listening to uh, Biz Marquee all today, man. I'm going to be in the car. I got to make some runs today. That's going to be on that Spotify on repeat. And one thing to your point that you made about Biz Marquee, bro, he was a pioneer. Quest Love gave him a big shout out yesterday. He said, Biz built me. I mean, that's the ultimate respect mm. that you can give another person. He said, you built me. Oh, man. Because you know what he said? He said that he taught him where to dig for the best records, A-tracks. And he said, every piece of education that he taught me, I'm going to pass it down. And that's the stuff that Jules and I talk about on this show, of us working together, building each other up. Because Biz Marquis took this guy under his wing. And look at Quest Love now in the world from Roots. Oh, yeah. So he's on TV. Everybody knows him. He's a household name. Now he can pass those nuggets mm-hmm. down to the next generation. Man, that's what it's all about. That's what it's about, passing that legacy, man. That blueprint we've been talking about on this the, the, since we started this thing, Prez. Wow, man, yes, man. Definitely condolences. this. Rest in peace, man. Thoughts and prayers to his family. And this is a hard one right here. Well, we're going to pick up the energy on the show. We're going to get into our fair and foul, the audience. I've been loving the messages mm-hmm. that have been coming in. You guys have been really <laughs> vibing with these fair and foul. So, Jules. I got another one for you. How do we feel about people that don't wave thank you when you let them in in traffic when you're driving? Fair or foul? It's a press, especially now in these day and time. The rules of the roads is like out the window. People run the stop signs. People run the red lights. People driving down the median. Yep. Overtaking on the right and left. Yeah, they don't care. I mean, it's like, man, where we at? Uh, where we at overseas? <laughs> he said, is this the Autobahn? <laughs> man. But then when you let, you know, you do get, you know, saying people out there that's, you know, showing empathy and let let people through and stuff, showing some, showing some respect and stuff, and you know, getting away, like, wow, man, what the hell? Right. But press, I'm not gonna lie to you. This was a tricky question because <laughs> if you don't, if they don't wave and you say something to them, you don't know what you're in for. That's right. <laughs> so it's like, for me, if I let somebody in down wave and stuff, it, this is a big foul. But it's like, yeah, all right, I'll just wave at myself. Like, oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, thank you, Jules. No problem, Jules. <laughs> <laughs> That's like what you do when you speak to people and they don't say nothing back. You're like, yep. okay, I'm having a good day. <laughs> they don't say, yep, I'm having a good day. I don't know about you, but I'm having a good day. <laughs> so it's the same way, it man. It was nice talking to you. <laughs> yep. It's the same way. So, yeah, that's a, man, that's a big foul. At least you can do your thought. Hey, if anything, a nod or something. Right. So I'll tell you this, man. I always try to let people in, you know, as long as, like, we're stopped and there's some room for somebody to get in. I'm like, go ahead, you know. But I'm going to say foul as well on this one, Jules, because I think it's rude. I don't have to let you in, but I'm doing it because I know if I don't, you're going to be waiting here for some minutes, <laughs> you know. Right. Especially on the roads by my crib. They just busy over here. So, no, I always try to pay it forward like that because I always wonder when I'm in that situation, I want somebody to let me in, right? So I think it's just one of those things that I hope that it gives me some good karma on the next go round. So I always let people in. But honestly, I also think that it's it's kind of petty for people not to be appreciative. And I'm not even saying anything about being allowed into traffic, but just in general, if somebody opens a door for you, man, it ain't nothing for mm-hmm. you to say, hey, man, thanks, mm-hmm. bro, I appreciate that, or whatever the case. So I think, right. when I thought about this, not only am I thinking about the traffic, I think in general, people are just rude nowadays. It's not just in driving, just in all things. People just, some people, is just look out for themselves, and shivery ain't dead out here, man. Hey, if nobody else do it, hey, you still do it, prayers. I know I do it. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still let people in. I'm still gonna hold doors open. Yep. Hey, I saw yesterday mm-hmm. this lady was struggling putting bags in her car. She had like three young little kids. I'm like, hey, you need some help with that? And she was like, she had one of the bags ripped and had cans that were running around in the parking lot. I'm like, man, this lady needs some help. I'm like, who sent her to the store with these three kids? And she got to do all this shopping. So I went over there and helped her up. He <laughs> <laughs> said, like somebody said, hey, go to the store and get some take groceries. The damn, these, take these these damn kids. <laughs> like, damn, brother. He said he wants some alone time, huh? Make sure you buy my SpaghettiOs. That's what was rolling through the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> like, hold on, hold on. Don't, don't miss that. Yeah, hey, man, as a kid, as a kid, man, those Chef Bardee can't. Ooh, wait. We was on that. You know what's funny? You said that. My brother, he was on the raviolis. That was his jam. They're decent. I'll eat them. Yeah, I never really messed with that too much. The canned stuff? Yeah. I was like, man, how does okay. this stuff stay in this can and I can eat it and no matter how long it's been in there? <laughs> that shit always just weirded me out, Jules. Oh, man. 
So I, I see at a, at an early age you had a expensive taste too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you so can say that. <laughs> so can say that. <laughs> I still didn't have that digital monopoly though. Just trying to tell you that part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Let me get into these questions. I ain't gonna be fooling yeah. with you, Jules. <laughs> the first one came over from Vincent. He's down in Carbondale, Illinois, Jules, and he wanted to know who was your favorite Ninja Turtle and why. Teenage Mutant Dude. Ninja Turtles. <laughs> <laughs> I saw this question. I saw this question, and I was laughing, man. Because when they first came on, my brothers and I used to watch them. Did they come on every day or once a week? I forgot. But it came on every day. We will always say who we are. So Mike was Michelangelo, of course. Okay, I can see that. My brother Perry was Donatello because Perry was he was like the, he was the, he was the smart one out of, out of the three. Yeah, coach. Yeah, and then and then me myself, I was I was Leonardo because I felt like I was the the uh, leader of the group. Okay, all right. I like that division of labor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so man, when I saw the question, it brought me back to my childhood, and I was like, man, and we used to have the action figures and, and oh, fight, yeah. Bebop and Rocksteady and Shredder, and uh-huh. dude, it was man, it was good time, man. That, that's a good question. It brought me back. It brought a smile to my face. I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. This my man, my man Vince, man. I like that, man. Yeah, that's a that's a dope ass question. And Jules, I got a question for you. Remember the Ninja Turtles arcade game that they used to have at Pizza Hut? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. we used to go in there and play that shit back in the day. That was dope. That movie was awesome. The Turtles movie. I'm trying to think what yep. else? Oh, uh, the Ninja Turtles. They were playing like a concert when we were younger. I didn't get a chance to go see it, but they had, like remember the Ninja Turtles. They songs. They they had like the guitars and shit. They were out there performing. Right. I remember that. So the Turtles, man, when we was coming up, man, they were real popular. Yeah, they big. I know they did a reboot, but I don't, it, it's not the same like how, nah. how, we, how we we witnessed it back in the days. Don't get me started on these reboots. They need to leave our stuff alone. Space Jam, we're going to get into that in a little bit. But just leave our Uh-oh. stuff alone. Just leave our stuff alone. Uh, <laughs> Vince, I'm going to ask you your question real quick before I get into the Space Jam talk. Okay. Raphael, he was my favorite. Dude, he was tough, strong. He was a badass. I kind of like this vibe. Yep. He would be able to take down most of the damn enemies all by himself. And I remember, like, remember he would like have his little independent streak where he want to walk around the town and shit, and he didn't care that they were supposed to stay secluded. He's like, no, I'm about to put on this trench coat and I'm about to go make some moves. <laughs> so he just didn't give a fuck. And I kind of, oh, yeah. I kind of yeah, appreciated that. He was a rebel. <laughs> mm-hmm. He was a rebel. Yeah, that's a good one. So my brother, he liked Michelangelo. That was his. Okay, your brother liked the party. Man, I like. Yep, <laughs> yep, yep. Jules just brought up the reboot. And I just got to say, I know I went after LeBron James last week. I had saw y'all in, in our in our emails and the comments like, man, ease up on King James. First of all, I just don't appreciate the fact that Space Jam had to be touched. Space Jam to me was nostalgic. That was a part of us growing up. I'm not even saying that the original Space Jam was all that great of a movie, but it just didn't need to be redone. And I'm hearing all these reviews where little kids are basically saying they stopped watching it after 20 minutes. Well, I didn't stop watching the original Space Jam. I watched that thing all the way through. So, Jules, I don't know how you feel about this whole reboot situation with Space Jam and some of these other movies, but I think that sometimes let well enough just be. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. I haven't I haven't watched any trailers or prayers. What I might do, I might check it out only to see how I'm going to compare it with his, his and Mike's. Okay. That's the only, that's the only reason. All right, so but if kids are kids stopping after twenty minutes, then yeah, you she, if you ain't got their attention in twenty minutes, then hey, I don't know, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, because you definitely gonna keep mine because I'm already going into it with a bad attitude. So, oh shit! Oh, he said, "Man, I ain't, I want to watch this anyway, but let me see." Like you got five minutes, LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, boy. Hey, Brian, hey, you better you better come hard now. You remember Cisco and Ebert? I'm already going into yep. this movie trying to get your thumbs down. So, yep. all right, we'll see what's good. <laughs> all right, our next uh, question came over from Gregory. He's from Ypsilanti, Michigan. Shout out to Ipsy Town. He wanted to know, Jules, should Conor McGregor fight Jake Paul? Well, I guess Conor ain't fighting nobody now. That's right, girl. <laughs> man, his last fault, man, he broke his leg and stuff, and yeah, he yeah, he might be through for a while. Mm-hmm. Did you hear, uh, Jules, that he said that uh, he went into the fight with stress fractures in that leg? Oh, then, then he'll fool. Because you do them kicks and stuff, I know their shins are trained and they're hard and stuff, but still, it still can be broken, which, yeah. you know, I, evidently. So if you got stretch fractures, what you doing? 
Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't gamble that way. Okay, let's say Connor is good. You know, they're fighting. I still wouldn't watch it, man. I, I haven't, you know, me personally, I got enough of it. This dude, Paul, I mean, it's not it's nothing for me to catch my attention. I need to watch him and um, Mayweather fight. So I'm not me personally. You know that you know that was his brother. That was Logan Paul. See, that's, oh, the that's thing. Logan. Okay, Logan. Okay, then get we, we 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 get these we get these fools mixed up because I thought they were the same person yeah. as well. But Jake Paul's the one that knocked okay. out Nate. Okay, okay, man, Press, thank you for clearing that up for me. And it's my my answer still no. I won't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> answer still the same. <laughs> <laughs> the only way you get me to watch it is somebody invite me over to somebody's house, man. That's it. No, I'm I'm with you. So this is my thing, man. I give those Paul brothers props for how they've been able to use their platform to get on the map. But it also shows you how boxing has gotten watered down where guys like this can even get into the sport and they get these high-profile fights. So the fact that Mayweather and Logan Paul had that fight and they stole all that money from people, I'm with you, man. I'm kind of over with these shenanigans and these exhibitions. Like, I want to see some good fights. Like, let's stop, you know, robbing the fans. Like, these people... Boxing fans, we want to see good boxing. We don't want to see you out there hugging and and choreographed exhibitions where you guys are all in on the the money hall. Like, that's what that whole thing was to me. And so I think that if Conor got involved in that, it would be the same thing. Because some people would tell you that Conor and Floyd, that fight that they had was a glorified exhibition. Yeah, which it was. Because let me tell you, and that's when Mayweather was still in shape. Yes. Pretty much carried Conor. He did. I watched that, and I'm like, oh, man, it was some easy work right here. It's an easy payday, man. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. That man got $100 million, man, to, to help a guy uh, last all the rounds. <laughs> man. Man. Well, I tell you what, though. Hey, they smart getting that bread, but, man, I'm, I'm, I'm through with it, man. I'm through. Yeah. So this is the thing, though. Okay, so Jules brought up the point that Connor obviously is not going to be fighting for a while because of that shattered leg. But I would just say this. Let's just say if Connor was healthy, who's to even mm-hmm. say that, that he would beat Jake Paul? Because with the way Connor's been looking, he he's only won one fight in the last five years, Jules. Right. That's another thing. So what's going on? Is he, I don't think he's the same. He don't get that same hunger. It seemed like because of the record, four out of five, three out of four, uh, he only won one and lost three or four, like you just said, Prince. That lets you know you're on decline. And it's time you either think about hanging it up or doing something else or get a new trainer and, and change your style up. Because something ain't working. There's something that you brought up there that I wanted to touch on real quick. You talked about the hunger. We know that in mixed martial arts sports and things of that nature, that's a sport where you cannot take your eye off the the goal. You can't take your foot off Mm -mm. the gas because the moment you do that, you're getting beat. Mm -hmm. And I think that Connor, ever since he had that fight, fight with Floyd and he got that payout, he's been a different fighter ever since then. I think he got a little comfortable with the money. Mm -hmm. I agree. Because that's where it starts. And after that, it's been been downhill since. Yeah, because Khabib lit his ass up. <laughs> yep. Poirier knocked his ass out. Man, he was going to yeah. knock him out again last week. <laughs> and we ain't going the distance with these cats. These are first rounds. I know you walking around. Everybody still love you because you, man, you got a swag, dude. And people, you do have a swag. Still, but still, bro, you can't, hey, man, you either got to do some change the game up because you got to get the win streak back. So people are going to be like, oh, man, this dude a bust now. So I wonder, because, you know, people are still going to watch his fights. They'll still pay for his fights. Yeah. But at certain points, though, he may start to become a joke. If you get Paul over there, if he, if he treats you, then, oh, yeah, you yeah, you might as well hang him up, man. <laughs> well, did you see that uh, that Paul, he wore a, a neck a chain with a medallion that had Connor. Remember when Connor got knocked out and he was asleep? That dude was wearing a sleeping pendant, and he gave it to Poirier after he beat him. That Paul is the biggest troll ever, Jules. Hey, man, they working it, man. Like you said, Prez, you, you, we watered down this boxing, man. Come on now. Yep. This, this sport ain't supposed to be like this. <laughs> when you're looking at it right now, what it just seems like is these guys are looking at it like, hey, the money can be had, and we don't even have to beat ourselves to a bloody pulp to get that money anymore. Right. But then you're cheating the fans, and it's like, mm-hmm. and you're watching this, and you're like, come on, what the? You know, I saw the highlights of Mayweather and Paul, and I'm like. It was a hug fest. Yeah. yeah. Hey, man, I'm through with it. <laughs> yep. Great question. Honestly, I don't see that fight happening. Paul's supposed to be fighting uh, Tyron Woodley, and I think once Woodley lights him up, I think we won't hear too much more about this Jake Paul business. So we'll see what happens with that. Right. Now, that's a different breed, and that's a different cat now. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, Tyron, he he a different cat. He had some, he suffered some a few losses, but that brother still look look hungry. So yeah, I like him. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we'll see. Yes, sir. But man, we love the fight questions. So keep those coming, guys. All right. The next question came over from Beverly, and she's from Sumlin, Nevada. And she wanted to know okay. what is one habit of yours that you're working on changing? Oh man. Beverly, <laughs> here's my butt, my bad habit. I got a bad habit going to the gym. I stop to get a water bottle. I take the water bottle. I, you know, I work out, I drink at it. And then when I come back in the car, I throw it in the back seat. And then the next day I do the same, repeat the same thing. So I got like a back seat full of water bottles. <laughs> it's like <laughs> how many you got like, back there? Man, I had like six or seven. <laughs> and I was getting gas. And I said, man, let me clean this tr- Let me clean this car out, man. <laughs> So, 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 ladies and gentlemen, we know that no one gets in the backseat of Jules' car. <laughs> I'm sitting up there like, why the... I, I was like pumping the gas. I'm just looking through the back window. I'm like, you know, you just look at something, you get disgusted. I'm like, man, let me get this stuff up. And I'm sitting up here and I got a like a Gatorade squirt, like water bottle uh-huh. at home. I'm like, okay, I can just fill this thing up and just take it with me. But sometimes I'm rushing, I'm running out and I forget it and stuff. And yeah, so that's a bad habit I'm working on. All right. But you know, that's a fair one. That's a fair one. Are you recycling those water bottles when you're done with them? Absolutely, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, see? Pulling back the curtain podcast. We're all about the environment. (laughs) Yes. Uh-uh. I don't want AOC and I don't want AOC and her her committee to come at me. Mm -mm. Uh, No, we keep it, we keep a tight ship around here. All right, Beverly. Uh, mine, this one is probably something that Jules... Well, Jules is guilty of this one, too. So me and him both are, I think, guilty of this is being late. I mean, this is oh, something okay. I'm definitely okay. working on improving. And there's times, though, I'm not going to lie to you, that people I know, they do this to me. They'll tell me the wrong time to make sure that I get there on time. And so that's when I realized I actually showed up to something when someone told me that I was supposed to be there. And I'm like, wait a minute. I thought the reservation was at this time. They're like, oh, no, no, we just told you a different time to make sure you weren't late. I'm like, you mother. Oh, <laughs> uh, dang. Mm-hmm. It, they said, man, we know prayers, man. The thing started at 2, man. Let's tell them 1 o'clock. Yeah, let's tell them 1.30, 1.15. Like, <laughs> Damn. And you get there, you're like, man, did everybody leave? Or what, what's going on? Like, right. I don't know, I ain't start yet. Listen, I, I, I walk in like uh, Kevin at Home Alone. Buzz? <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, hey, all by himself, man. Hearing echoes. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, so that Beverly, that's mine. And I didn't even realize how rude it is, though. And that was, I think, the thing that made me want to change that habit because you got to think about it. If somebody's waiting for you, it's like, why is your time more important than their time? So that's just something that I want to do a little bit better of going forward. Yeah, that's a good one. That's that's a fair one. I mean. Especially you're busy, dude. I mean, prayers, you got a lot on your plate. So I can see how you, you're here, you're there, and stuff like that, man. I, I can see how. Yeah, because you know that, Jules. Like, that, you know how I am about my schedule. Like, if something gets thrown off on my schedule, it throws my whole day off because I have so much right. stuff that I cram into one day, you know? I'm going to try to be better, though. I'm going to try to be better on this. <laughs> so I'm going to report <laughs> back on this and let you guys know how I've been doing with yeah, this lately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Let me know. And then let me know what you use, man. <laughs> Yes, sir. Good luck to you on uh, doing better with those water bottles. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, yeah, I'll let you know next week. <laughs> there you go. All right, the last question came over from Scott from Columbia, South Carolina, and he hit us with a doozy. He said, fellas, how do you feel so far about Joe Biden's presidency? Ooh, man. Scott coming with a intelligent and nice question like this, man. I was like, man, okay. He's been in office, what, seven, seven going on eight months. I mean, I see that his, his approval rate is like 54%. To me, I think he's doing an okay job. It's still still new, still fresh. I will wait till maybe next year around this time to really give a good assessment. But uh, for now, some good things that he had done, I know he gave out a nice stimulus check and nice stimulus check and also other things with the, how he's handling the, uh, the COVID pandemic. I know recently he brought the troops home from Afghanistan, which is good, I believe. I mean, uh, that that's a whole different story in itself. Mm-hmm. I know they passed the in- infrastructure. So he's doing things where, you know, creating jobs and building these roads and bridges and stuff. So creating jobs, I know some bad things. The country still seem a little divided, but that's 
I think that's humanity. I think that's going to be there for, for a good while. I know the Keystone Pipeline, he stopped drilling. I know people lost jobs over there. And I, I don't mm-hmm. know how that, you know, people take that. And what we're going to get into later on in the, um, in the um, show, presence, how he's handling so far that the student loan forgiveness yes, really sir. hasn't really panned out. So I would say he's average, uh, not bad, and certainly got some ways to go. He got, still got three years, so it still remains to be seen. But for me, for right now, I think he's doing, I think he's doing okay. Yeah, I, I would say, Jules, I think anytime you follow the the shit show that he followed, it was going to be some growing pains. Uh-huh. And I think it's fair to say he's done average job, okay job. I still kind of expected a little bit more from him because a lot of the stuff that he okay. campaigned around Jules, and let's just be honest, the black vote is the reason why he got elected into office. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I, yeah, you're right. And so I was expecting a little bit more of the things that he talked about that he was going to do on the campaign trail for the black community, those things haven't happened yet. Right. And so when you think about it, the John, the the John Lewis voting act, that's just stalled in Senate. You see what these different States are trying to do to suppress the vote. What is Biden doing to counteract that? That part Mm -hmm. to me is a little troubling. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I have liked that he's done is he got the vaccine out to the country. We saw with the last administration, that thing was a colossal flop. He made it available. Now, there's still a lot of people in the country that still haven't gotten vaccinated. That's their choice. You do what you're going to do. I know what I, I did what I had to do for me and my family, but he mm-hmm. got that out there. He made it available. And I thought that that was huge, you know, because before that, we didn't know what the hell that vaccine situation would have been like if not for the work of Joe and, and his team. The other stuff that kind of concerns me just a little bit more is I feel like the Republican Party right now, I think they took things very personal with how the Blacks uh, came out and voted in the last election. And I think they're trying to make things very hard going forward. And I think it would be great if Biden could step up and show a little bit more leadership and a little bit more fight. A lot of times when they ask him questions about certain things that are going on that's plaguing these communities, he's very neutral in his stance. And it would just it'd be good if he can keep the same energy that he had when he was on the campaign trail. So that's my thoughts on him. I think he's been okay. I just want to see him do mm-hmm. more for these communities that he was out campaigning to. And when he told black people that you're not really black if you don't vote for me, I said, okay, well, that's your opinion, Joe, but I need you to do more <laughs> to earn this vote. <laughs> man, man, Joe. Yeah, he was swinging. He was swinging for the fences, wasn't he? Wasn't he? <laughs> he was swinging. Like he King Griffey. I'm like, why are he so comfortable talking like that? <laughs> yeah, right. And that brother said, "Man, I'm." That brother said, "I'm 80 years old, man." I'm like, so. that's the thing too. I'm, I'm, and I and I hate to bring because I don't want to be, you know, talking about somebody's age and being qualified to do a job. But I wonder if he's going to last the whole four years or not. Right, right. I mean, that's fair, Presley. Yeah. Hey, listen, people, that is a good. We said on this pod. Earlier, earlier episodes, it I, I would think you should start looking at age limit as far as the presidency. Me personally, yeah. I mean, because it's it's something to look into. I mean, brother, you eighty years. Hey, hey, I take my head off of him even uh, running for the presidency. Eighty years old, brother, man, I'm 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 chilling. I'm on the island. I got a I got a nice cherry Dr Pepper, and I'm just living my life. This dude running the country, man, that's big. Mm-hmm. You know the stress amount on with that. That's why I'm. That's why I was talking about far as age limit. It's not like it's like older people can't do it. You can do the job. I'm just talking about that that in that position. No, totally, totally fair. So I would say this: great question. I would say we'll do an update on how we feel at the end of the year, and we'll let you know our thoughts. But I would say as of right now, I give him a C minus. He's done some 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 positive okay. things, but I want to see more. You know, but at the same okay. time, he's not like the last guy that we had in there. So. That's a step up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. Like, yeah, see, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's fair. Yep. All right, Jules. Let's get into this episode, man. This is one that I'm really excited to get into. And I wanted to share a story uh, that one of our followers sent in. I, I basically reached out to some of our followers on social media and I said, hey, we're going to do an upcoming episode on the, the student loan crisis in, in, in America. And I asked people, hey, if you don't mind me sharing maybe the story on air, you know, start sending in some of your stories. So we got a story. I'm not going to give the name of the person, but here's her story. And I wanted to just kind of open up the conversation this way. 
So this particular listener said that she has $220,000 in student debt. She said that she attended pharmacy school for three years. And then she said she failed out on the last year because she was not deemed smart enough to pass the acute care hospital rotation. She said it was very tough, very hard paced. When she started out, she had $163,000 in student loan debt. So then when she went to pharmacy school, that amount ballooned up to the 225 amount that I just mentioned. And so she's like, look, I feel like all of this student debt should be erased. She said, I was trying to better myself. I was trying to go to college because she said her parents and and the people before her kept stressing to people that you got to go to college, you got to get a college degree. But she said, yet most of the people that you're telling that to, they can't afford college. And then they have to rack up Mm -hmm. these student loan debts, right? So she said she only makes $48,000 a year in salary. And she's right now, she says she's saving up to buy a house. But she said, I can't pay these student loans. And she says, so right now, they're just accruing interest every month. She says she has a, mm-hmm. a forbearance that she's doing. So she said she can't afford to pay them because if she makes the monthly payments, then she can't pay a mortgage. So she says, what's my alternative? Pay student loans or be homeless. She said, that shouldn't be a predicament that you're putting U.S. citizens in, right? And she also said that because she has this high amount of student loan balance on her uh, credit report, it's also affecting her income to debt ratio. So now lenders are now looking at that, and that's a negative mark for her. So she's just in a really tough situation. She said that she's reached out to some of the senators like Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren in the past. She's wrote them letters. She showed them her situation. And she said, you know, no one's gotten back to her, but she said she would just love if someone would just be willing to do more to help people like that. And she's not the only one. If we had time on this show, I could walk you guys through so many stories that were like this. When it all came down to, Jules, it was all the common thing that people were trying to better themselves. Their parents couldn't afford to pay $60,000, $70,000 a year for them to go to college. So they Mm -hmm. had to take out loans. Mm -hmm. They're racking up these loans. They're graduating with debt. And now, how are you going to start a life and you're already $225,000 in a hole? you basically starting off in a deficit. That's something that we're going to get into in the episode. But I wanted to just start off right there with that story, Jules, because when you hear that, my heart goes out to that person because, man, it's like she was trying to better herself. Now she's in a situation where she's like, well, if I don't pay the student loans, then the, the amounts is going to keep rising. But then if I do pay these student right. loans, I'm going to be paying these loans for the next 30 years, and I'm never going to fulfill my dream of buying a home. That's a tough one. And you can't say, hey, man, I'm just going to file bankruptcy. No. Well, what do you do? But what can somebody do to help her? Because that right there, 200 some thousand in the hole, you trying to better your life and your family and stuff. And that's a tough one. I tell you what, hey, that thing going to be sitting there, man. I'm, I'm, I'm giving me a crib. You know what? When she, <laughs> when she messaged me on that, I said, if I'm you, I would keep those things, uh, keep those loans going and see what happens and go buy yourself that home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, hell, hell with that. <laughs> I need some place to stay. So one thing that I did want to let the audience know, so if in case you guys aren't aware, but federal student loan debt has been deferred until October 1st. But if you have a private loan, and so what she said is she has private loans, which are different than the federal loans. So the federal loans, they're right now doing more of a, hey, you don't have to make payments right now because we understand what people have been going through. So what came out though, Jules, was a report said that 90% of the people that have these federal loans they said they're not going to be ready to be able to make payments when they resume back up at October 1st. So that just goes to show you how this thing is spiraled out of control. It's crazy. You got nine out of 10 borrowers that aren't ready to be making payments again. It's tough. And as that was what we was talking about as far as with, with Biden, what he was promising as far as the student debt of forgiveness. Because people were really looking like, hey, man, if you can do this, this, you know how many people you'll be blessed with, with, with starting out a clean slate. I don't know, prayers. This is this is a this is a tough one. My wife, she uh, has a few student loans, and she deferred them a few times because she was at the time she wasn't working. But we was in a situation where I was able to help her out and eliminate some. She had she had three. Now she got one more, Thank and you. we almost almost through paying with that, but. I was there, I had, you know, had a good support where I was able to, to help her out with that. If you're in a situation where you, you don't have that support and you're just yourself and don't have the means, what, you know, that's that question on, okay, what 
what can I do? Where you have, I mean, any, nothing you can do. Let it sit until you start working. But then there's other things you need. There's so much stuff out here in, in inflation, man. But press, we saw almost before we got on the air how everything skyrocketed. Yeah, the price of everything. The prices. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, one thing, because you you unpacked a lot there, Jules. I want I want to go back to something you mentioned. You talked about your wife, the fact that she had two to three student loans. And yep, that she had, she had you to be able to kind of lend a hand, if you will, right? So now think about this audience. Not a lot of people have those type of resources. You got a lot of people that may be single to have these loans. And so they're trying to support themselves on their own and also paying back a student loan. Now, in the case of Jules, they were able to figure that out collectively. But that's a privilege mm-hmm. that a lot of people don't have. So when you look at it, think about during the pandemic, how many people lost their jobs. A lot of those people probably are your federal student loan borrowers that also lost their jobs. So a lot of these people are right now are starting to catch up to bills, trying to get things going back again. And so that's why when Jules brought up the point about Joe Biden and some of that student loan relief that he promised and discussed when he was on the campaign trail, I don't know how he fixes this. Because when you look at it uh-huh. all the way around, guys, this is a broken system. And I don't think just giving someone relief is the answer. Because if they forgive these loans, what's going to help the next generation of students that are just going to come up into this system? I think you have to fix the system itself. Perez, that is the main question. How do you fix the system? The student loan debt, Americans are carrying more estimate, like $1.5 trillion, I think I looked up, in student loan debts, $11 billion as far as private student loans. That is a lot of money. And was going on unchecked. These colleges and universities and stuff, there was these tuitions had gotten out of control. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, and then the government built them out, you know what I'm saying? Because, well, because people can't pay, you know, people can't pay this money. So why is this thing so it's so expensive? Now, Perez, you probably can answer better than I can, because because people, old Jules here, I went to a community college, I got my two years and I left. So I'm not, you know, I didn't rack up anything. I just I worked. Press, you know, we we, we, we yep. went to the same school. We, hey, I worked, I went to, did some classes, I got my little AA degree, and, and that was it. Yep. yep. Because I couldn't, I couldn't afford it. I couldn't afford it. So I just took the path where I played the cards I, I can deal with and made some, I, I'm doing good. Well, so that's an interesting point you brought up. And so Jules just mentioned to you guys that I was taking community college classes at the school that he was at. Audience, you know why I was doing that? I was at a four-year university, but during the summertime, I would take classes at the community college because they were cheaper. That was me trying to prevent myself from racking up the student loan Uh debt because the cost of those classes at my four-year university were three times what it costs to go to the uh, community college here locally. So every summer, I always took classes at uh, Daly Community College. So it saved me a little bit of money, but I still graduated with $35,000 in student loan debt. And that's something that fortunately... Uh, I was able to, you know, get rectified on my end, but not a lot of people have that benefit of being able to do that. I mean, I have people in my family, do they owe about $400,000 in student loan debt and they're never going to touch it. One of my relatives, she's a doctor. She uh, got her PhD. She basically did student loans for her whole time being in school. That's 12 years of education. And what she was trying to do, like we said with the individual story that we shared earlier, people are out here trying to better themselves. They're trying to increase their odds of being successful in this world. But how can you truly be successful if you, okay, you have these education, you have this education, but then on the other right. end of it, you're financially in the hole. So are you really winning? I don't think you can be because on one path, okay, fine. You may be able to get a good job, but all your money's going to student loan debt. There's people that'll tell you right. 30% of their income goes to paying back student loan debt. And 30%, that is huge for your yeah. paycheck. Yeah. That is huge. My brother's wife, she's in school to be a doctor. I told, they right now, they're at home with my parents. I told them, stay there. I know they want their own place. I told them, stay there. Mm-hmm. Especially if they have that uh, ability to be able to stay there and your parents are cool with it, they better take yeah. advantage of it as long as they can. Yeah. Because people, this stuff is real. Now, Perez, you said 35000 I was like, whew, man. Because, right, like you said, people in your family tumble hundreds of thousands. Yeah. Yeah, tip, yeah, tip. Uh, my wife, she was about the same, something like that. And just, you know, you just chip it away. But, man, the, the, the question is, what can be done so people can go to school 
get a degree and come out or degree, masters, doctors, or whatever the case may be, and come out with a head start instead of a, a instead of a, a, a negative start. This is why I said that I don't think that the solution is as easy right. as is uh, Biden giving that loan relief. So I'm just going to say it to the audience real quick. Mm-hmm. Who do you think a majority of the student loan debt belongs to? What what race of people do you think is plagued by this? Because I'll tell you, it's the black community. Now, the black community for decades, and we talked about it with redlining. We talked about it with yep. not having the wealth that's passed down from generation to generation. That money's not there. In certain communities, kids' college is already taken care of. So by the time they're 18, mom has $100,000 in an account to take care of the college tuition. Well, that's because they have had the opportunity to have wealth passed down from generation to generation. In some cases, I'm not going to paint with a broad brush, but uh, I do know a lot of kids that I went to school with, they didn't have the same worries that I had. you know. And so for me, it was a little bit of a different situation. I was on the scholarship, but then there came times where, hey, I decided I don't want to participate in sports anymore. So once I got off of that scholarship, it was on me. And that's when I had to start racking up that student loan debt because my family wasn't in a position to be able to pay $28,000 a year for tuition. So I had to figure it out. And so a lot of kids out here right now in our communities are trying to figure these things out because you got to think about it. Not only do we have that the wealth gap, but you also have the income gaps that have happened over these many, many decades. And so those are some of the things that when we're talking about this, you got to fix the system. So Jules brought it up earlier with mm-hmm. the colleges. I think these universities and colleges could do more to to give back to some of these communities. If you know that there's a community where there's kids that have promise and they want an opportunity, you guys are making billions of dollars at these institutions. You guys can take some of your endowment money and help send some of these kids to college through your university. That's part of the thing. But I also think, too, we have to start thinking about in our own communities how we're building each other up, how we're helping get that next generation up and ready. So a lot of that comes with having those discussions about financial literacy, because I didn't have those talks when I was coming up. No one sat right. me down and said, hey, don't get this credit card. Hey, your credit, your name, right. that's something that's going to be very important in your life. So to me, I look at this issue, and especially within our community, and I think that it starts with you having these discussions and explaining the importance of being financial literate, of not being in debt, to live a life debt-free. Because there's so many people in our community where they just have mounting debt and it's debt that's just crippling at them. There's people that have so much financial issues right now that they don't even know which way to turn, Jules. And that's tough. Uh-huh. Education would have boiled down to because I didn't have that teaching. Just if we did have that teaching on financial freedom, how about the marketing? How about savings? Because like you said, how far is the generational gap? where some kids, their parents or grandparents have this old money that was passed down mm-hmm. and was able to send their kids to college. Just to think if your parents or my parents was to set aside a Roth IRA or wherever the case may be, just for college, for school. That's right. Yep. yep. You know, that's something I didn't know about, you know, coming up, I didn't have, but damn sure I'm going to have for, for my kids. There you go. That's the way it should be. Mm-hmm. So, Ben, education is big, but... You know what goes with education? Some people have been given this education and some people haven't. Yeah. And you can you can tell. <laughs> That's right. And now to Jules's point, what we need to start doing within our communities is when we have our children and they are born, set up a, a savings account for them. Mm-hmm. When they turn a certain age, get a 529. That's a dedicated okay. college savings account. Those are the things that you can do to be proactive to get ahead of the curve. But that's just one potential thing that you could do. But you should be trying to do everything in your power to make sure that your child or your children, they're not coming up and being taken advantage of in this in this situation. Because to me, Jules, when I look at student loans and these student loan companies, Sally Mae and Navient, they're predators, uh-huh. in, in my opinion. Yeah, Navient, yeah, Navient, yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're predators. And... For much of our history growing up, and, and Jules, you know this, college was positioned as being for the elite. And in my family, my grandmother, I've talked to you guys about this before, she didn't have the benefit of much education in her life. She didn't even finish uh, elementary school because she had to work. So for her, it was uh-huh. important for her children and her children's children 
to all go to school. She was always proud of all of us at our graduations and our accomplishments. That meant a lot to her because she didn't have the opportunity to do that for herself. But because of that, that happens a lot in our communities where we're telling our kids, go to college, go to college, go to college. But where's the plan for them to actually not only go to college, but to succeed and strive and thrive, I mean, in college? Just Mm -hmm. going to college and graduating? Yeah, that's cool. But now you're walking out with $200,000 in debt. It's like, well, you took a step forward. You took two steps back. All right, now go get them. <laughs> go get them, yeah. Yeah, go get them. Good luck, Tiger. Perez, man, you hit it on the head, man. I, I'm sitting here just thinking about it. I hope I'm wrong. But maybe this is the uh, kind of like like design. Hmm. As far as, like you said, as, as, as the elite status. Because who can afford all this money, man, to send their kids to school? So without this education, you come up there, you need something to get a good job. The education go a long way. If you don't have education, and how you get able to get this job, and how you able to support yourself and your family and life and stuff like that, if you know, if you don't, you know, have a good education, and you sit up there and you're you 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 need the public uh, health and uh, public assistance and public aid, and and this is a, a rabbit hole you fall into when you can't do something because of financial reasons. No, that's no. fair. I feel when we've had this conversation, I now I'm like in my mind thinking about, well, it goes deeper. Think about our economy. Mm-hmm. Our economy doesn't work the way it used to for most families in this in this world, Jules. So now you got mm-hmm. the cost of college, which we know is going up every year. Uh, you talked about enrollment. I think enrollment might be down because there's a lot of parents that are deciding to send their kids to a two-year or some kids may be deciding to go into the military or they're deciding to take a trade. Right. So I think some of the enrollment is going down. We saw enrollment go down during the pandemic. So there's a lot of those factors. But the point that I was making back to the American economy piece, though, is you talked about it earlier, inflation. The cost of living is rising. Family incomes aren't increasing, but everything around you is going up. And that's Mm -hmm. been happening like that since the 90s. So How do we solve for that? Because I think that's the problem. You have people in this country that you have two people working in in the household to to have the quote-unquote American dream, but yet they're crippled in debt. That's not the American dream. That's not independence. No. That's not freedom. That's just living paycheck to paycheck. If you lose a job, then you're fucked. That's not the American way. No. We saw so many people, Jules, during the pandemic that lost jobs and all of everything was falling on one person in the household to keep things going. There was a lot of people out here that were losing homes. You saw the houses that were going up on the market. So that was one fraction of people that were losing out during the pandemic. But then we saw another fraction, Jules, that were profiting during the pandemic. And I think that's even a deeper problem because we have a capitalist society and a system that's in place where the rich can get richer. Meanwhile, the people that are out here working and keeping the economy booming are the ones that get fucked over. I mean, because you saw mm-hmm. during the pandemic who the actual people were that were vital to, the, to this country. Oh. Those frontline workers, right? those people working in those retail stores, yep. those are the people that didn't have the benefit, like I did, of sitting at home behind a computer screen and doing stuff over Zoom. They were out there putting their lives on the line. But where is, is the, all the resources for those type of people? Because I guarantee you, a lot of those people are saddled with student loan debt as well. People have to fend for themselves is what, what it kind of boiled down to it, man. And it's not good, man. It's not good. It's not right. And things need to be changed drastically. So I think Biden's idea, Jules, to maybe give people a little bit of reprieve, that's a starting point. But I hope that people are looking at that as like the end-all, be-all solution. That's going to help some people. Maybe he was talking about ten dollars or $15,000 of some of the federal debt. That's a start. Right. They need to really look at this whole higher education system as a whole and realize how maybe it's not effective and how it's not really working. And even a deeper conversation that we're going to get into in a future episode is as communities with our kids, maybe looking at other avenues for our kids. So as I mentioned, the trades. Or, you know, if there's other things that you can teach the, the kid how maybe to be an entrepreneur. There's people that I know, Jules, that we went to high school with. They never stepped foot in a, on, on a college campus. But these people have been successful entrepreneurs for the last 20 years. So mm-hmm. if you have the ability in this country to work hard, to learn, and to really want to have that true independence and true freedom, the opportunities are there. But however, 
what it comes down to for me is we have to do more, I think, to teach and educate and maybe uh-huh. not do a one-size-fits-all approach with our children. Because some kids, man, I'd be the best fit for them to go to a college. Maybe that kid might not go do a, a co-op program. Maybe this kid needs to learn trades. It doesn't matter. But we need to figure out what works well for kids and try to not put them in these situations where they're coming out of school with hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. Because that doesn't help anything. Because now that kid is drowning in debt. They're not set up for success. And then that cycle just keeps happening. Now there's even more debt. There's more debt that's added to that trillion dollar amount that Jules talked about earlier. I know as far as my job, as far as CPD, we get this, uh, you can go back to school. At one point, it was, if you get an A, it's free. But if you get a B or a C or something like that, you pay a, a certain percentage. You know, if you want to go to school for free and stuff, it gets you on your, uh, you get on them books and get them, them good grades and stuff like that. I think that's something probably to look at, you know, as far as percentage of student loans forgiven, you know, based on overall their grades, you know, student maintain a semester or a quarter or whatever. If they get an A, you get 100%, you know, if we get an average of a B, 75, C, 50, you know what I'm saying? I think maybe, you know, until you figure out, because Prez, this thing is huge. This thing is huge. And you really have to get the the minds working on this thing to try to solve this, this student debt uh, crisis, because let's be honest, it's big money in it. So you're going to have pushback, a lot of pushback, and a lot of people are going to be trying to keep what they have because it is big business. But the only problem is you're getting big business, you're getting money, getting rich off of people giving you this money, and they they coming out here in this workforce, this life and stuff, and, they, and they're poor. You know, some, you know what I'm saying? Some of them, for the ones who got rack up these hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debt and stuff, you're coming out trying to, you know, you're talking about paying them back. These corporations and businesses are a trillion dollar um, companies. So, it's something where it's going to take a lot to do. I know what is in Canada, they don't have to pay for school, I believe, because of the income tax. I think people pay more income tax to kind of pay it off for, for people. Mm-hmm. It offsets. Okay. So maybe look into something like that or look into little things that kind of help people out as far as the type of uh, grades you get. You don't have to, you only pay a certain amount of percentage. Maybe also extend to as far as nurse, nursings and other occupations as far as requirement for a tech school or within the career, maybe a part-time or full-time, maybe something you can work out with that. Man, correct me if I'm wrong, Prez. I think some, didn't Chicago have somewhere if you go to community colleges free at one point, um, I think they was talking about, I would have to look that up. And, and yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm not sure about that. I do remember there was something remember? that was proposed, but I don't yeah. necessarily know if that if they ever you know did anything with that one. Yeah, I don't think so because I think when they were saying the way he was talking about that, I think then COVID hit, and I think that yeah. just got pushed in the background. But it yeah. was one part, one time they were talking about how people can go to community college for free. I mean, I think so, that that would be something that would be really helpful because that's two years of education that's already being taken care of. And then now if right. the kid decides that they want to transfer to a four-year, well, then I think the four-year institution at that point, if the kid has good grades, that's where the scholarship money comes. But I think that they yeah. could do more to help some of these kids out. As I mentioned as well, Jules, in some of these areas where there's kids that have really great abilities, those are the kids that you need to be trying to find and trying to uh, to help out. You know, because a lot of these institutions, they'll sit here when they're marketed to you and they'll show the black kid on the on the brochure. And then you go on that campus and you can't find the black kid. Go get them. They're out here. Uh-oh. Help the minorities. Because the thing is, there's a lot of kids in these communities that have a lot of promise, but they're not getting the same opportunities because their parents aren't able to, to finance this education. And right. one of the things that Jules brought up before we get out of here, and I think this is really important for people to listen to. You got to think about the people that are profiting off of this. You got these banks. We talked about the student loan services like Navient and all these other places. They're profiting off of this stuff. And you have these for-profit colleges now. Now, there are another problem because you have these DeVries and all these type of schools that are out there. And they're a part of the problem, too, because all they're doing now is targeting people that maybe later in life decided, hey, they want to continue their education, right? And now those people are taking loans to try to better themselves. A lot of these institutions, these banks, these for-profit colleges, these these student loan places, they give a lot of financial contributions to the campaigns Mm -hmm. of a lot of these politicians. And they want to make sure that they stay with their pockets being fat. And they're going to do whatever they can to ensure that whatever policies and laws that get passed will benefit them. 
Now, I have a friend that told me a story that he was trying to, he filed for bankruptcy. Now, Jules, you brought up this comment earlier, and I think that this is something to think about as well. 32 years old at the time, this was some years ago, he filed bankruptcy. Well, guess what? The private student loan is, you can't discharge that in a bankruptcy. So everything that he was trying to accomplish with the bankruptcy didn't happen because the student loans, mm-hmm. you can't discharge it. Good well, I think enough. at that time. Now, at the t- I, oh, okay. I, so I think that they've made some changes about that now, but this was might be back in 2004 when he did this. And I think maybe okay. some time later, they changed the way that that law works. But think about that. His whole purpose of filing bankruptcy was to get rid of that debt, and he wasn't able to do so. I don't think it's going anywhere, Press. <laughs> I don't think it's going anywhere for a long time. And this right here just gives you just some, some food for thought and some information on what can you do to get out of student debt or if you're going to send your kids to start planning ahead so, you know, they have a good handoff. Uh, Because right here, I don't, Perez, this ain't going anywhere. We might be talking about this for a while. Unfortunately. Yeah. And and that's because of the way these systems are are designed. Mm -hmm. Because when, as I mentioned earlier, higher education was supposed to be designed to create opportunities. But what it's done is it's pushed millions of borrowers it's a financial collapse before they've even gotten the chance to start their life. That's not good. Because that's a generation of, of people that are basically uh, living a life of debt. You can't get out of that. $200,000 of dollars in debt. You're making $45,000 a year, like the story that we shared earlier. And this person is pleading with people to listen to her story. She's pleading with people to care. She's asking our lawmakers to do something to help me. I'm not asking for a handout. I'm just asking for a solution here. I was trying to better myself. I tried to go to pharmacy school. It didn't work out. Here I am. What can you do for me? You know, and and that's the thing is we have to look at these systems all holistic from a holistic standpoint. So looking Mm -hmm. at colleges, maybe to the idea what Jules brought up earlier, maybe make a two years, maybe make these two-year schools free. The government pay for those. That helps the kids out on the on the on the front end, and it helps the parents uh-huh. out. So if a parent now is saving for their kid to go to school, now the parent can save for two years of the education and not the four years. So these are some right. of just the things that I think that we should be looking at to help the people out a little bit more. I think as parents, we have to not only educate ourselves and be financially literate, but we have to make sure that we're passing that information down to our kids to make sure that they understand the big picture as well. I think that we need to make sure that our lawmakers are actually going after these predatory companies and making sure, hey, you know what? There should be a limit. You shouldn't just be giving people loans and loans and those type of loans. But then also, too, at certain points, we need to stop with the interest rates on these loans. It's not giving people a chance to get caught up on this stuff. When when they're making payments on these loan balances, most of the payments, the money is not even going to the principal. It's going to interest. You're right, man. Prayers. Come on now. (laughs) Come on. So it's like you're setting people up to fail. And I don't want to have a conspiracy theory here, but Jules, you brought it up, and I wonder, is this designed to be this way? Because who are the people that are getting caught up in this system? It's just another way to keep people from having that generational wealth. And I hate to feel that way, but it just makes me wonder, the same people that are trying to better themselves indirectly are fucking their lives over, or fucking their lives up to try to better themselves. It's, it's ass backwards if you think about it. These things right here, it's not going anywhere. So what can we do for our kids to go to school? I know there's a lot of grants out there. Make those very uh, already inaccessible. I want to say you get guidance counselors still in schools, right? In high schools? Yes. Yeah, high schools. Mm-hmm. So I think they should be the ones who be giving out information on how to, how to apply for grants and stuff like that. So you won't, it can kind of take the ease out financially as far as you want to go to these, these schools. And that's a fair point. I think though, the federal and local governments just have to do a little bit more, Jules. I think mm-hmm. they got to shoulder more of the cost. I think these universities, I think that they should do more of what University of Illinois does. University of Illinois is whatever the tuition that you enter in the program, that's your tuition for the whole time that you're there. So there's no okay. tuition raises. That's fine. Okay. So some sort of a cap program, but more of the institutions need to have something like that. But think about this for one second before we get out of here. Someone who has a bachelor's degree, I read this somewhere, Jules, they pay more than twice the federal income tax as someone that just has a high school diploma on average. So if that's what those people are paying into the system, then why wouldn't the government then, in essence, take those funds 
and help that next generation that's trying to better themselves. Because you would think, what's the best investment for the government if they continue to fund people that are going to pay more and put more money into the system? It seems like a win-win if you ask me. If you can get more college graduates, mm-hmm. then they're going to be paying double the tax of a high school diploma person. Why wouldn't you do that? Right. You sign me up for that all day long. And we need to get back to understanding that in this world, and especially in this country, your greatest resources are your people. If your people are strong, then your nation isn't strong. Your country isn't strong. And there's so many things about this world right now, when you look at it, Jules, we're not strong in many ways, not just financially, but emotionally. And it's the different things how you talked about earlier in, in the pre-show, how we're divided. There's so many parts of our world that's fragmented and splintered, and we can never get to that next step and being truly independent and truly being successful as a country until we fix these things. So it's just going to be more than a stroke of the pen by Joe Biden to write off $10,000. We need to roll up our sleeves collectively and come up with ideas and solutions that actually fix and address these problems and no longer try to use Band-Aids to fix real problems. Jules, go on ahead with that curtain call, bruh. Prez, this current call goes out to student debt crisis. They're a nonprofit organization committed to fundamental reform of our nation's student debt and higher education loan policies. At the heart of their work is the conviction that as a country, we should no longer burden students with the ever-increasing cost of higher education. Student debt crisis, Prez Zion, Pulling Back the Curtain podcast family, would like to thank you and appreciate your hard work. Jules, thanks for that curtain call. As always, you can find this podcast on Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Deezer, or wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate your continued support of the show. Without you, we wouldn't be. We're the Pulling Back the Curtain Podcast. Thanks for listening. Peace.